Welcome to my mom's podcast. You're listening to the Early Childhood Journeys podcast, where we chat with educators, community members, and advocates of early childhood alike through candid and real conversations, focusing on the person behind the practice, along with some tips and strategies as well. I'm your host, Marisa. Okay, welcome everybody to another Early Childhood Journeys podcast. I'm your host again, Marisa Calderon. And today my guest is actually something of a more of a special parent. I guess there's a little place in my heart for this story. Um, I connected with my next guest, Jessica, through a women's entrepreneur happy hour group. Um, full disclosure, love, love those, those groups. Um, anything with happy hour in it, especially. Um, but Jessica shared her story and I felt it was really compelling and something that, um, parents or new parents of could connect with. Um, I found it really inspiring and she was really open to sharing. So without giving too much away, Jessica, can you give me a start as far as, um, just how do you, how do you want to start it? (laughs) Yeah. So hi everyone. It's a pleasure to meet you. My name is Jessica. Hipskin, and I'm really excited that Marisa has asked me to speak with you all today about our journey and our family story. Um, so, you know, just really quick, I am the oldest out of about seven children. Um, so there's quite a lot of us, but, you know, it's a, it's a huge mixed background, right? We have stepkids, half kids, full biological kids, all wrapped up. Um, and so being the oldest, I'm sure as most of you can relate to, a lot of um, weight and just a, a lot of expectations. Um, us, us older children, we go ahead and take to the forefront, right? Um, and so it's always been my duty for all of my younger siblings that I'm always the one that they can really call and that they can go to. So on January 5th, 2017, our family was definitely faced with um, quite the tragedy. Um, our father passed away unexpectedly. He was diagnosed with bladder cancer um, August 2016, and unfortunately, he decided to take a downward spiral once he found out that news. Um, My youngest sister, or all of our youngest sibling, London, um, she was born with Down syndrome, uh, trisomy at 21, and um, she didn't receive all of the services that she should have, so she was extremely delayed in a lot of Um, you know, being potty trained in her fine motor skills and her gross motor skills and things like that. And so um, when my, when our dad was diagnosed with bladder cancer, um, it was really that time for me to step up and start taking care of him and really getting to know London. Um, Not because I was anticipating anything tragic would happen for sure, but it was just time for me to really start spending a lot more time with those two. Um, my dad was the sole custodian of London, and so it was just her and him. She didn't really have a female role model in her life, except for when I started coming around in August. All of the siblings are kind of spread out throughout the United States, so it's not like we all live here in Phoenix, Arizona together and can have a really close-knit relationship. Everything has to be done over social media, you know, Facebook, and things like that. Um, so when he passed away... Um, I, we found him, unfortunately, um, in his in his home, and um, we found out that poor little London, our seven year old, the seven year old, was there for three days. Um, she had been there three days while he was passed. 
Um, and so as you can imagine, with any small child, um, this would be very tragic to them. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, I don't know if it, you know, if it was necessarily a blessing or whatever you want to call it, but London didn't freak out. A lot of seven-year-olds would have completely freaked out over this. Um, maybe they would have called 911. I don't know what they would have done, but London just kind of took care of herself the best she could. She went in the cupboard and she was able, you know, she was at least able to get herself some water so that when we found her, you know, she wasn't starving to death. She had found some cookies or whatnot, you know, definitely not anything healthy, but at least something to be able to uh, get by. Um, And it was when we found him, when I realized uh, our reality was completely about to change. Yeah. yeah. Um, So it was that day. So, you know, we we took that out. Um, DCS, Department of Child Services, was brought in right away. They knew instantaneously. And it was then that I talked to Department of Child Services and they said, London has nowhere to go. What are you going to do? Yeah. And at that moment, I just realized I have to, I have to call my husband and we're, we're adopting London. We're going to have a new member of our immediate family. Um, and so I called my husband and I said, just let you know, we're going to have a present dropped off on our doorstep this afternoon. Um, and so about, <laughs> so about 5 PM, uh, the department of child services case manager knocked on our door with London and a little bag that she had from some of her belongings and she became integrated in my husband and I family. Um, so as you can imagine, that was just a crazy change, um, for us, but for, for this poor little London, right? She has been living with our dad, um, just her and him for almost her entire life. And now he's passed. She's been uprooted to a home she's never been before. She's only known me really for the past few months. Um, and so it was a huge change. Um, you know, some interesting things that are really crazy is that she used to sleep in the same room as my dad. So they had their own separate beds, but they always loved being together. So they had their two own little TVs, two little beds, and she, you know, she slept in the same room. So when she came to my house or Danny and I's house, um, she had her own room and that was really scary for her. Yeah. You know, most kids are like, heck yeah, I have my own room, but she didn't know what to do. And she had a big bed and she didn't like that. And there are many nights of her, you know, crying and being scared and not knowing, um, you know, what the heck was going on. Um, and, and that was just things that we had to deal with. Um, and so that that's how the story starts. Then we have to get into all the resources and all the all the craziness that has taken place from that. But that's the beginning of the story. I I mean, I want to take a little break here and catch my breath because I know it, it's a really emotional um, story yeah. to to retell, and for our listeners, I mean, it's just it's hard not to get choked up about um, hearing that situation, and that's why I asked Jessica, and she did me such a favor in coming on and sharing that story. She, um, she you were really candid about it at our at our happy hour, and I think it's important to be open about it so that people understand you as as a woman as a sister, as a new mom, you know, your perspective and your reality that you're dealing with right now. And if there are any um, support services or not, just to be 
a good listener about what you're going through. And for our listeners, and if there is a, a new parent or new foster mom out there that's, you know, going through something similar like this, well, all of a sudden, you know, this falls into your lap pretty much, especially I think about that. Usually you want to have like a conversation with your partner when you're like, oh, maybe I want to have kids or maybe I want to buy a, a dog or something or whatever. And then all of a sudden this decision just is made for you. And what a blessing it is that hopefully, you know, you, you have a support system and your partner that, that is like, all right, we're in this, let's do it. You know? Okay. Um, I, I think about that. I, I think about that with, in, with my own partner when I'm having, you know, some kind of life experience and it's like, okay, we're, we're in this together. So let's talk about that transition for you and how you got, I guess, some support, you know, for yourself, even, you know, your own mental health. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So um, luckily for me, I do have a very supportive husband. Um, he really didn't have the choice of what was happening. It was pretty much so yeah. you're accepting this or you're not, <laughs> and we're not going to be able to be together. Yeah. Um, but that was never, that was never even brought up. Right. He just knew this was the right thing to do. Um, and so having his support and his willingness to help was huge. Um, my husband also has a daughter from a prior relationship. And so, you know, not only working through, you know, our own emotions and then London's emotions, but working through his, his daughter's emotions too was definitely a challenge for us. So, um, probably the biggest thing is that Department of Child Services, um, helped, helped us through the adoption process and we had a case manager and through them, we were able to get quite a few services. And I think probably my favorite service bar none is raising special kids Arizona. Yeah. They are just the most amazing organization and um they assigned me a parent mentor. Um and this parent mentor, shout out to Janet Romo for sure. She's just so amazing and and really my rock. Um I kind of feel bad because I only call her when things are going wrong or <laughs> when I'm in <laughs> But I do really appreciate her for everything. Um but what's the best thing about raising special kids is that they asked me what my situation was, what our family situation was. And I mentioned, you know, that London and I's dad had passed away um, and that, you know, London's dealing through the grievance through that um, and that we're, we're new to being parents. I've never been a parent before. Right. Um, yeah. And then my husband has part-time custody of his daughter, but to be full-time parents and to co-parent together is something we've never done. Um, and so they were able to find me, Janet and Janet has a very similar story to us where her, you know, she has a daughter, um, whose father passed away as well. And so the fact that raising, um, raising kids, Arizona or special kids, Arizona was able to collect that information and to give me a mentor that has gone through such a similar situation yeah. was one of the most amazing things ever. The other thing is, um, I, and I had to do a lot of research. So parents out there, I mean, please know you are your child's advocate. You are your own advocate and you're going to have to work for this. Um, but you, you know, through raising special kids or, you know, Department of Economic Security, they have a bunch of resources and you just have to sift through them. I found a great organization for habilitation and respite services called Valley Life. Valley Life provided me um, our godsend who is 
um, Elsa Jimenez. I, I don't know where I would be without Elsa. Elsa comes to our house, uh, you know, for several hours a week. And she's really been a catalyst in London, you know, in helping us potty train London, helping London with her fine motor skills. Um, she, I love her. I mean, she's <laughs> just the best person ever. And London loves her. And her name is Elsa. So um, that awesome is great. <laughs> how the universe did that. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, so you have to understand, too, like, what are the services that your child needs? Um, London needs uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, respite, and habilitation. Um, and so you're going to have to sift through quite a few people. You need to have the patience, I think, um, to trial and error. Gosh, we've had, we've gone through a few different speech therapists because they just don't, they they don't work out. They don't fit your family's cultural values or your core values. Um, and just be patient with that. Okay. Um, so we have an awesome speech therapist, Anna, um, and we have a great occupational therapist, Camille. They both come to our house. Uh, that was a huge, that was really hard is being able to find services that will come to your house and you don't have to go to them. Yeah. Um, don't get discouraged. Uh, we've, I, I mean, I've been working on this for a year and a half and I just got occupational therapy in our house within the past month. Wow. Okay. So it's a process, but yeah. they're out there. These awesome people are out there. You just have to go through it. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. I think that's, that says a lot about your re resiliency and, you know, you, you keep at it and you didn't give up on, you know, not finding the proper services for her. Yeah. What's one of the, I guess, another tip for that new foster parent, adoptive parent um, for, for yourself? Like, so we have services for your new daughter. Now, what about you? Yeah, so I did, and I'll be totally transparent with everybody. I did a really crappy job of taking care of myself. It was really only about London and how to get through it. Um, you know, when, when you unexpectedly adopt a child, um, you, those services are really important, especially for your marriage or your relationship. Um, and so I was able through, through the network, I was able to find Arizona Down Syndrome Network. Um, they have a specific moms group, right? So, just recently, I wish I would have done this a year ago, right, or a year and a half ago, but just recently I got super involved with Arizona Down Syndrome Network. Um, you know, we do live in a social media world. There's so many. Just look on Twitter, look on Facebook. You'll be able to find these groups um, and then, you know, start meeting these other ladies or these other people that are in similar situations. Um, you know, it's really good because you realize sometimes – Sometimes you get hard on yourself, um, and these ladies or these these people and gentlemen, um, they'll help you get through that, and they'll tell your, you their story, and then you're just like, oh man, I thought that our our situation was crazy, but this this is even more intense than what mine is. Um, so I definitely reach out to all of the networks and integrate yourself into those groups. Um, we also put London into what's called art therapy. Mm -hmm. um, and art therapy was super cool. And even though this was a service mainly for her, it was also a huge service for my husband and I because we got to talk to the therapist every after every session of what she saw in London and talk to her about our story. And since she was a licensed therapist, it really helped us. 
Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, art therapy is awesome. Um, yes. You know, if you want to seek out, you know, any type of psychological counseling, that's also, you know, I, I would say do that, do that too. But I found my comfort in the art therapy and then the Down syndrome networks. So those were the biggest thing for me, being able to talk to people who have been through at least some sort of similar situation was just impeccable. I think that's powerful because you might be in these certain parenting groups, but if they don't have that background experience um, or that life experience, that similarity, there might be some judgment there when you're talking to some certain groups. So it's important to find these groups that are, you are comfortable with where there is no judgment. There's um, empathy, which is very different than sympathy um, and where you are in a circle of trust to really talk about these real issues because it can, it can be, it can come down to, you know, I, the pole potty training of my seven-year-old now and what that looks like. Um, and you have all of these therapies lined up, um, the time. And then there's that, there's also that the fact that I need to be a wife to my husband. And when does that happen? <laughs> How do I, yeah, sometimes when do I, when do I go to the gym or eat right or whatever, right? When I'm just trying to play catch up, that self-care, we often talk about that. Um, self-care is really important. I know for myself, it's, I have to see it as, um, yeah, that I have to be, I guess, I guess you're going to call it selfish, but this is really my sanity time. And I, I'm not, I'm now no good for anybody unless I first, you know, take that time for myself first to, to kind of decompress and then I can be my 100% with for everybody else. Yeah. And one, one thing I forgot, and I can't believe I forgot the shame on me, but <laughs> what really, what really helped uh, Danny and I, my husband is that London's grandmother was there to, you know, pick her up from us on Sundays and my mom was willing to step up. And so don't, don't be afraid to reach out to your family members or your friends. All of my friends were, and Danny's friends were so incredibly supportive saying, you know, if you guys just need a date night or whatever it is, please let us know. Um, I don't think I took advantage of that enough. Now it's a different story. But I mean, people always say it takes a village to raise a family. And that is Absolutely. true in, in all these circumstances. And so if people are, if you have that support system, reach out to them because you do need that self-care. You need that time away for you to, you know, in my situation, I needed time to grieve. I just lost my father, yeah. right? And then we had this huge transition with London. Yep. And so, you know, let somebody else, you know, take care of your child. You know, of course, who you trust. So <laughs> make sure that somebody you trust. Um, take that time because you really, you really do need it. I think that's important, processing your emotions. I always say it's like that the, the movie, um, the Pixar movie. It's like we can't get to happy unless we go through sad. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, I tell kids, it's what, you know, what you do with your feelings, how you feel your sadness. Um, and you aren't your sadness. You're just feeling it um, type of stuff. So I think that's important. Um, having that time for some reflection and crying it out because sometimes that's what just needs to happen and that's okay. Um, and I, I always feel like when I do have that, um, you know, I have a background in with of kids of early childhood, and I'm still learning my ch- my kids. I have a 17 year old, and I say, you know, you're my first 17 year old daughter. I'm still learning. 
Yeah. With my preschooler. I'm like, you know, you're my first, you know, Valentina. I'm still learning. And I have a background in, in this. Um, each child is so different and, and um, so special in their own way. So give yourself that break and reserve that judgment. It does not have to be perfect. It does not. It just needs to, to look okay and comfortable for your family. Is there, um, I wanted to touch base about how is Lyndon doing now? Yeah, so she's doing really good. School just started this week. I'm sure, uh, you know, all of your kids probably had the same thing happen. Um, that I think is a really important thing is finding the right school. Um, yes. I can't, I, I really can't talk about that enough. Unfortunately, London was at an amazing school um, when, when our father passed away. And because it was 45 minutes away, we had, I, we had to pull her out of there. Yeah. We, yeah, I just fine. couldn't make the commute. Yeah. Every single day, morning and afternoon. Um, and it's not fair to London either. That's a huge long drive, right? Um, yeah. And so my husband, actually, he did the whole thing for me. He found the appropriate school. Um, she is in a special needs program at Longview Elementary School. Um, but they do integrate with um, kids without special needs, too. So like recess, yes, one time. Exactly, which is so important, right? Yeah. Um, and so London, uh, when when we first transferred London to that school, we didn't mesh well with the teacher. Okay. Um, and so we had to put in a request, you know, talking to the principal, talking to the school psychologist and the therapist to change for teachers. Um, because you have to understand, you know, is, is this teaching what's right for my child and our family? And so we were able to transition her into another class. And London, seriously, for the past three weeks has been acting up because she just wants to see Miss Dachi. And Ms. Dachi oh, is her teacher that she had last year. <laughs> um, and she just gave me a whole bunch of like heck because she wanted to see Miss Dachi and she was ready for summer to be over. <laughs> so um, she is so thrilled to be back in school. She just loves her friends so much. She loves her therapist. Um, she's doing really well. Um, now that we have speech and occupational therapy in the house, it's great. Um, we also have... Uh, we also got her into swimming and she's a total fish. So every single day she just wants to swim and swim and swim, which is awesome. And it's so good for her motor skills and for her physical therapy. We haven't been able to find physical therapy for her just yet. So she just swims that girl back and forth in the pool, diving for fishes, diving for rings. That's great. So, that is so great yeah. to hear. Um, is there any tips for how you're doing your blended family with her? What is it? Your stepsister, right? Yeah. Her, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So my stepdaughter and um, now her stepsister um, have compassion for, for both of them. Um, it was really hard for my stepdaughter to um, have another child in our family. And that was something that I honestly could have done a lot better. You know, I was going through grieving. It was a yeah. big transition. Yeah. And um You've got, you've got to have compassion for, for that other child too. So just know that in this journey, every single person is adapting to a new situation and we've got to be empathetic to them and understand what they're going through and, and just be patient. Patience is not my strong suit. So, um, you know, but really try, really exercise your patience because it, it is a journey. Um, 
London and Lily, they get along so well now. Now they're like full sisters, right? Now it's oh, like they bicker with each Lily. other. Yeah. 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 It's super cute. Um, they sleep in each other's beds, right? They watch movies together. Um, but you've got to have that patience. Also, you know, putting, putting the other child into an art therapy or something like that as well is always great, especially if your other child doesn't have special needs. They're not going to understand why somebody who may be older than them um, or just a little bit younger than them doesn't meet their same level of mentality or, or physicality, right? Yeah. Um, and so take, take them to classes with you. Go to Down syndrome classes or special needs classes so that your whole family gets well versed in, in, into this, you know, yeah. this special needs, right? Yeah. We, yeah. we all need to be educated and it'll help. That's such great advice. You know, it's a family ordeal and it creates awareness and your biggest advocate is going to be, you know, your, your other daughter. So that's yeah. great incorporating her in that, in the process so that she also feels included that she's, you're part of the family and yeah. part of this too. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, any last uh, tips or advice for those parents listening to us before I let you go? Yeah, um, I would say, you know, specific to, uh, you know, if you lose somebody in the family and you have a child with special needs, let them talk about it. Um, You know, there were there were times where I didn't want to hear her talking about missing our dad. It was really hard for me. Um, But it really, you know, I made sure to put a picture of him by her bed. Um, You do certain rituals with them. You uh, you know, we always celebrate my dad's birthday and Father's Day and things like that. Um, Because with special needs, a lot of times they don't fully understand the whole situation. It's important that when they want to talk about it, that you actively listen and that you provide, you know, any answers that you can because they're trying to work through this um, and they may not understand. And so when they want to talk, be available, be there to listen and just have the patience of having that conversation, however long it may happen or however, however many times that week it may happen, um, just be present for your children because uh, it's, it's a super hard thing and they're trying to understand. So I could not have said it better than that. Just be present for your children. Thank you so much, mm-hmm. Jessica. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your very personal and compelling story. And Um, I look forward to reconnecting with you and getting some updates on your journey. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. My deepest respect goes out to our foster care parents listening to this episode. For more stories like this on topics related to foster care, children with disabilities, or general early childhood conversations with amazing people such as Jessica, listeners can now contribute to the podcast via our Patreon account. Check out patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and enter Early Childhood Journeys, and you'll see the page. Tier contributions start at just 5 bucks a month. If you want your business to be a featured sponsor on future episodes, contact me at marisa at earlychildhoodjourneys.com. That's M-A-R-I-S-S-A at earlychildhoodjourneys.com. Don't forget to write us a review on iTunes and make sure you're sharing the podcast out as well. Stay connected with us on all of the social media platforms. We're on all the little hip ones. And thanks again for listening.